Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This episode 148, Spellbound from 1945. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two. And this episode is brought to you by the Atomic Memory Fit Ski Boots. Atomic Memory Fit is one of the quickest heat fitting technologies around, so you can totally personalize boots in a matter of minutes. Shout out to Atomic.com. Well, shout out to Atomic.com and welcome to the show. We are now into December. This is the December 1st episode. Oh, We are almost through this weird, weird year. Not that next year is going to be wildly different, but hopefully better, we will see. Hopefully better, yeah. But Joe, extracurricular activities. We were recording this on Thanksgiving weekend. What have you been up to since we last spoke? Nothing did Thanksgiving things. Uh, Rachel's parents are here visiting. We did our normal Thanksgiving things. I deep fried a turkey which is always my favorite thing to do. How'd it turn out? Awesome. It's, dude, it's fucking mindless. It's like, I, I pitch this to so many people that like, you know, there's like worries about danger and stuff like that. Just generally, like it is the best, fastest way to make. How long does it take? Like, do you pre-cook it or you just like throw it like from the refrigerator right into the deep fryer? Fridge into the deep fryer. <laughs> we usually take it out. They have like some brines that you can buy or make to inject in the turkey. So you inject some brine in there of whatever kind you want. Like, it's usually, like, an oil and, like, some garlic and salt and things like that. And then you heat the oil to 350, 375, which takes a while because it's, like, a big-ass pot, right? It's right, like, yep. And you need, like, this whole contraption thing. You lower the turkey in, and for a 17-pound turkey, it takes, like, 59 minutes in the deep Oh, okay. Fryer. So it's, like, nothing, dude. Like, comparatively to, like, an oven. And you don't have to be in the oven so Rachel and her mom usually make all the sides inside and we stand outside and drink beers and watch football and make sure the turkey doesn't like explode or catch on fire it's awesome highly cool. recommended anything else of note in the last couple of days no watch these movies what else were you watching dumb tv so just like mo- mostly bullshitting drinking with them hanging out so nothing super crazy and they're still there now they're leaving tomorrow is that right i mean like it's this is all very fluid right like it's not like anybody's doing anything crazy so but they, their plan is to leave tomorrow i think yeah cool uh, i had thanksgiving with my parents it was good nice let's see what have i been doing i got the lego stickers which is good you showed me um, so i've been working on that i'm i'm a little bit more than i'm somewhere between half and three quarters done because there's like different numbered bags in the box there's like yes. one two three four and yeah. so i'm in the middle of number three right now so i'm probably in the two-thirds ish ballpark done you sent me a picture you have like most of the chassis stuff done Yeah, what I was doing this morning before we started is I'm doing like the front, like the grill and the headlights and just sort of adding on like the base, like the core is built, but now I'm building kind of around it. Yes. Uh, So it's getting there. Pretty cool. And it's cool. You saw, you see like, like no spoilers beforehand, but you see like, as you move the tires, like the engine has like piston firing like yes like, which is like the coolest thing right like this yeah. is so cool and i was saying to you last night i put it on twitter that like i only just now realized why the detroit pistons are called the pistons because like <laughs> yeah. their logo was always a horse or a basketball and i always just thought it was like a horse thing or something i just never really thought about it but obviously detroit the motor city has that and then the horse for horsepower it's like oh yeah that all makes sense like that's all very cool it just i never <laughs> put two and two together of why the basketball team is named after the cars and it's also like in the age of like the Washington football team, good job picking a mascot that is just so fine. 
right? Well, you remember the the Wizards, the basketball team used to be the Bullets, right? Yes, yes. In, like, one of the murder capitals of the country, right? So Yes. Super cool. No that's way what I'm to saying. misconstrue that. Yeah, like, Pistons is, like, that's hopefully will never be offensive, right? Like, it's, right. Just, it's just the car part. So Until you're... we become so uh, pro-environment to the point where cars are obsolete. They're like, we can't support cars, even <laughs> cars that don't exist anymore. And yeah. then we'll have to go with something green. What else have I done? I started the Queen's Gambit. I'm two episodes into seven. Oh, cool. Uh, I played very that good, today. Very well-paced. Um, I also just finished the, the series wrapped last night as we recorded. There's an HBO series. Have you heard of, have your friends talked about the show How To with John Wilson? No, not at all. So it's a six-episode series on HBO that is similar. Like I was telling you about Joe Parrott Talks With You, which yes. is from... Adult Swim, that's just now on HBO Max, and there's also Nathan for You, which was on Comedy Central. Yep, which I love. And it's this sort of awkward brand of comedy where it's sort of uncomfortable but genuinely sweet. This is in that vein, but a little different. Okay. I will not spoil anything, but the episode titles are the most benign. Like, they're, let me see if I can remember all six. It's like how to put up scaffolding, how to cover your furniture, how to make the perfect risotto how to make mm. small talk, how to improve your memory. And there's one other one. It's like all just like very basic, like these are the simplest things. And then the way, the place that the episode winds up is radically different <laughs> from what, what you imagine it to be. It looks like found footage, but it's all footage that John, this guy, John Wilson has filmed on his own camera. And okay. thinking about it a little bit too long gets really sad because you see him at every like social event, you know, where he's with his friends or he's with his landlord or whatever. And he's always got a camera. I don't know why he does. I don't know why he feels compelled to do the things he does, but like he obviously has years and years and years of video footage of New York. Whatever he's talking about, uh, he has video footage of. Like every episode starts at one place and then slowly transitions into a different topic. And then he kind of features an interview with somebody and it's just like, oh, this is, whoa, okay. And then he kind of puts a button on it at the end. Okay. And it is bizarrely weird my i have one friend who like like this is his favorite show of the year and i don't feel that way but i've never seen something like this okay Uh, it's only six episodes they're half an hour really they get really weird um like you know how to make small like there'd be a thing like how to make small talk it's like rated tv ma for like language nudity graphic sexual content it's like what the fuck what it's i don't want to spoil anything okay I think you'd like it. I don't know, but I'm just putting it out there because this is a show that's kind of an indie on HBO, just a, a very short season, genuinely unlike anything I've ever seen before. So How To with John Wilson, uh, six episodes on HBO Max or HBO Go or wherever you get fine HBO programming. That's really cool. I think that's it. Uh, we have a Patreon page in the show, Too Fast, TooForever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of... High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez, for supporting us the $5 level or above. Thank you all so very much. If you want stickers, like we have not picked up a new Patreon, things are going to be changing a little bit on the Patreon in the new year. We will talk about that as we get closer to it, so it's going to be even more exciting, I think. Maybe exciting is the wrong word, but if you want to support us over there, too fast, too forever.com, get our undying love and affection, of course. Yes. But early access to stuff, Fast and Furious Minute quiz, pit stops, all that sort of stuff. Plus, a very exciting announcement coming down the pike very shortly. Just got to do a little bit of a crossing T's and dotting I's on that, but just stay tuned to fast2forever.com and also on social media, et cetera, et cetera. We also have an email address, family at cageclub.me. And Joe, we have no emails today, but we have one thing 
And this is the second time it's happened. What? And this guy has not responded yet. So, okay. On our YouTube page, it's just these episodes with a still image of the art. Like, there's nothing yes, more yeah. there. It's just a different way to watch or a different way to listen or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when we posted the Alita Battle Angel episode, somebody commented, was just like, this guy, John, says, geez, took half the podcast to get to Alita. Also, Alita make money. And he, like, blah, he they talks about, like, took so long to get to the content and also correcting us about, like, you know, he's part of the Alita army, whatever, right? Yeah. And I said, cool, glad you watched. Uh, just so you know, I put in the description a direct link to where we start talking about the movie. And so this guy is like, oh, sorry, just noticed that LOL. Good video, by the way. Okay. I know that we babble about stuff for a while. And Same, there's yeah. on the feed when people are listening, I think if, if people don't know, if this is your first episode, if you are a big Alfred Hitchcock fan, you can look in the description of this. There's a literal timestamp. You just tap that and it jumps you right there in the podcast. So you yep. skip all this nonsense. And I put that, especially when I started posting things on YouTube, because I'm like, I know that people, especially on YouTube, there's a much bigger audience just searching like, I'll lead a battle angel. Like, yep. Oh, what's this two-hour thing? Maybe it's the movie. Oh, it's not the movie. Oh, but they're talking about the movie. Oh, no, they're talking about, like, Love Island. It's like, wait, what? Hold on. (laughs) So I knew that it's kind of, it's not buried, but it's not like, hey, jump here. Like, I'm putting the description at the end of the description every time. So even on the episode descriptions and on YouTube, when I started putting on YouTube, like, months ago, click thing, go right to the thing, right? So, okay. So then I get one from our Tulane Blacktop episode from Warren Dubow. Congratulations. You managed to babble about everything but this movie for over an hour before you actually started talking about the movie. And I said to him, (laughs) I echoed back directly, congratulations. You listened to our podcast yet somehow missed the timestamp in the description that points you directly to when we start talking about the movie. We hope you enjoyed. He has not responded yet. Yeah, I mean, we, we get it, We but we say this all the time, like, you can always skip ahead, and I know that you're very good about the timestamps, so sorry if you listen to this by accident. I also, I forgot that we have one other email, it didn't go to uh, family, it went to, I think, just, oh, it went to Joey at, but it's from Carlos at podstatus.com. Subject line, Too Fast, Too Forever, the Fast and Furious podcast, is ranking very well in Angola. Oh. Hope all is well. I hope I have some information that might interest you. Your podcast, Too Fast, Too Forever, has good performance in some rankings. Last 30 days, it's the number one podcast in the category film reviews in Angola and number <laughs> two in Bulgaria. Well, we should get a plaque. The data is provided by podstatus.com. Happy podcasting, Carlos from Podstatus. If you're in Angola, can you write us an email at family.cageclub.com? It might be one person who downloaded one episode and didn't even listen to it. I don't know how yep. big the podcasting game is over in Angola. We're big in Angola. Huge. Joe, on the streets, any news about the Fast and Furious? Also, if you want to email us, family at cageclub.me, but any news that you have seen about this movie, these movies, anything related to the Fastiverse? No, um, Jason was sending us some things, but it was all like screen rant stuff that's kind of stuff we've already talked about. It's like, you know, them just continuing the stories of like, is Brian going to be in nine and like things like that. Oh, I saw that. Was, the answer was basically probably not. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all like articles like this. So, so yes, Jason, I've been seeing your news and we appreciate you. He's also put a lot of pictures on our Facebook page about F9 and I don't know if they're things he created or other fans have created or official, but a lot of brother versus brother seems to be the tagline. We'll see how that all shakes out. I mean, I think that if there were new posters, we would have seen them like official posters, yes, but same. the, the things that he's posting are pretty cool looking, so, you know, again, excited, just give us more. Exactly. Without further ado, I think the only other thing to talk about is our maybe our shortest minute that we will ever minute, the Fast and Furious deleted scene, which is not a minute, it's 22 seconds. 22 seconds, Tanner and Brian in Police House. He is under a tremendous amount of pressure, just like we are. 
God, it's getting hard to be in law enforcement. We got OJ on the street, we got officers in jail. Nobody likes us anymore. Come on, let's get you back out there. So after meeting with Bilkins in his office, Tanner and Brian quickly debrief. Tanner walks Brian outside as he prepares to leave. I'm assuming that's the official name of this deleted scene, right? Like That's what's on the DVD. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay, so that's that's somewhat official. But it also sounds like Food Shack. Yes, that's why I was I was asking because I was like, because, you know, maybe they didn't name these. Maybe they were just like one, two, three. The name was just so direct. I was like, were you making a joke or is that what they called it somewhere? Yeah, like, I don't know, because, you know, later on, they'll call like things like the CIA black site, which is still as generic, but also sounds more specific, but just police house. There was a Tim and Eric show that came out this year called Beef House which was just where they had the Beef Boys, and they lived in a house, and it was uh, Eric married to Jamie Lynn Sigler of Sopranos, playing, I think, herself. Jamie Lynn Sigler from Sopranos. Which one is she? Meadow. Oh, okay, okay. I See, I don't know her real name. I just know her as Meadow, and um, she was just recently in a bunch of Lifetime movies, so... Oh, but they did a show called Beef House, which was just, you know, Tim and Eric with all their regular kind of weirdo actors who are just so perfect for what they do, but, like, don't act in other things, and it was called Beef House, and so Police House reminds me of that, but it's also what a... What was Beef House about? Like, what was it, like, rap beef? It's just them living in a house, and them just, you know, it's kind of a parody of, like, 80s sitcoms, but Tim and Eric, and just getting into shenanigans that, like, Eric's white, like, Meadow can't find out about, or, you know, falling in love with the neighbor, or just they have to okay. bring in a new kid who's, like, who wants to kill them. Like, it's all, like, weird, sort of surreal, slightly over the top, and not radically over the top storylines that you would see on a 1980s sitcom makes sense yeah it was also like six or eight episodes of like 10 minute episodes like it was just you know it was oh, a weird 10 minute episodes that feels weird though adult swim yeah oh yeah, fuck i keep forgetting that this is like a format sorry i don't watch any adult swim so like every time you're like 10 minute episodes or something i'm like what the fuck would they do I've been, I've been starting to watch some quibi stuff which is like six or seven minute episodes Whoa. and those are those fly Whoa. by too well how are you watching it didn't quibi die no quibi's still around i did a free trial of quibi like you can still like quibi's still going they still have money to, to burn through for the rest of the year i think it's gonna end around march or something but i was like yeah i might as well watch some of the stuff before it goes away or whatever like they yeah. put a couple pilots up on youtube a while back but i'm watching right now the one i started with was the show dummy are these like six minute i, I just can't understand six minute episodes and like is it good is it does it follow like a normal show structure this is an 80 minute movie essentially that was broken up into okay. chapters but the okay. chapters each are self-contained they each tell like a chunk of the story so instead of having scenes they're essentially like a quibby episode and there's other ones like i watched three pilots i think like over the summer when quibby was like hey you should you know check us out because we're not going to be around forever uh, i watched this pilot and i watched one with dane dehan and micah monroe where she's an uber driver and he's like a creepy passenger and then i watched one i, I want to say maybe chris hemsworth or liam hemsworth is like it's kind of like an action thing but there's like six or seven series there's like the reno 911 reboot like there's a lot on there that like seems pretty decent it's just i don't want to watch things on my phone but now that you can air play them to the tv uh, different ball game. makes sense any length of anything can be good if it's if it's adapted or written to fit the format whether it's six minutes or ten minutes or 22 or an hour or, you know we watch a thing that's like oh this is a two-hour movie this is a three-hour movie this should be like a six-hour miniseries it should be a 12-hour miniseries like, yeah. it's just whatever if, if there's if there's enough story to tell if there's a 22 second scene like you know we get everything we want in police house we do I, i'm just i was just thinking like did somebody really conform to the boundaries of the media? If they're six minute videos, was there like something specifically shot six minutes a piece? 
Because, like, you know, why do we pick 30 minutes? It doesn't fucking matter, right? Like, it's... Well, just because that's how advertisers yeah. sell the thing. Exactly. Like, it just fits the medium. So, like, that's why with Netflix, like, there's some stuff that's 20 minutes, some that's, like, 30, 35, whatever. And I think, you know, a couple of years ago when AMC and FX, a couple of years ago now, like a decade ago, when AMC and FX specifically were just like, you can do whatever length you want. Like, if Breaking Bad needs to go 12 extra minutes, we can have, we can sell an extra ad block. And because it's Breaking Bad, we can get a premium. So, like, they yep. started adapting it HBO started adapting it. Like, it's easier for scheduling and stuff to have a contained to an hour, half an hour, whatever. If a story needs to be longer, they can fill the time with whatever because they know that if it's popular enough or well-written enough, it's going to be worth the minor headache of scheduling or whatever. But yeah. I think I think a lot of the Quibi stuff was – I mean, I'm, I've not seen a ton of it yet, but, like, I think a lot of it has been written or adapted or chopped or whatever that you could break up – theoretically, you could break up the Fast and Furious into, like, things. Like minutes. There's That's rising action and falling action. The minutes are they, – they do sometimes work, but, like, they're more of an arbitrary thing. But yes. you can ch- – any any movie you can pretty much chunk up into, like, six to ten minute things. Yeah, you're right. That's – I agree. Dummy, I think, is like a, it was an 80 – I don't know if it was written as an 80-minute movie or – but it's on Letterboxd as an 80-minute movie so you know once i'm done i'll log it over there but yeah, I don't know. but in this minute back to police house this is the quote-unquote famous scene the famous line where we yes. have tanner talking about oj i'm glad some stuff got cut out this is one that i'm very glad that got cut out um i'm glad that it still exists because i like watching it but at the same time i'm like good call it would have definitely dated the movie like you said like it really puts you in that time frame and like 2001 again it's a weird because it's like seven years after oj like so not, not the things of timely of the time but yes and rob cohen's explanation for this was they cut it out because it was hopelessly outdated and forced but yeah like the last minute i wish that they left that in or sound found a way to like incorporate some of those lines into another scene this we don't need it's just like explaining why bilkins is upset but it's like yeah bilkins is like a black police captain in the lapd like things are not good for him like that's that's a <laughs> terrible situation right so, yep, exactly the most interesting thing to me and i think to us in general is the location of this room in the house because it's the part of the house that we don't know like it's the part of the house that we assume exists because it's an actual house they're shooting in but it's part of the house that we don't see in the regular movie it's like to the right of the door when they walk in so it's a room that i'm thinking faces like that kitchen opening the other end of that like when we see down into the kitchen and there's all those boxes remember Yep. I'm assuming that that's like the opposite corner of that. Are we to believe, is this, do you think this is Tanner's office? Because it's a real house and this is a set up office. Yes, I think that this is Tanner's office. Because like Bilkins has what was probably like the office or the study or something, maybe a guest yes, room. Yeah. Like that's his office because he's the one in charge there. But it feels like Tanner is his like second in command. And this is not like. This feels a, very a, dining room. Right. This is not a great office, but it's semi-private as opposed to being down there in like the, the corral or whatever they call it, the, the bullpen, pit, right? Pit, yeah. yeah. Where there's just desks, like just folding tables as desks. Like this is kind of a little bit more, a little quieter, right? But you're still in the open air of whatever, but yeah. it feels like this is probably his computer, his setup, his whatever. Again, we hit this problem that we see his computer and I can't make out anything on the screen because I would really have loved to seen what he's doing. And I can't even get a vague enough reference to guess if it's like a web page versus a document versus what. Like there's like a there's a sidebar that I could make out. But other than that, it's just like all text. And I don't know what he's looking at. It's probably just like perps. No, I was thinking it was more going to be like 
the model of VCRs or something, right? It's like these mm, are the, okay. like these are all the specs of the VCR or like a review of it or something like. What's that. the funny thing that you know with this because there's there's nothing to glean even if we saw what's on the screen, it's just like oh okay. But watching the X Files as I slowly rewatch those with friends, like I'm in season two, so it's like ni- early '95 right now, and like they're like oh we have this special photo software we we can blow up and enhance and whatever. It's like yeah no like that still doesn't exist like you can like like there's photoshop but, like you can't just make a blurry photo clean like you can there's ai that now will like depixelize like it has to be decent to start like it can't be like if you can't see it at all yes in any resolution like you can't just suddenly make it clear or like no. enhance it with heat signatures it's like yeah some like i get like there's this whole world of tv and movie computers that don't really exist i always laugh in the same in a very similar sense i always laugh at the science ones where they're like who is it and they like put a sample of like his hair in there and then like a picture comes up and we're like no that's not it's definitely not how that works but is the thing where they have like a dna helix and they overlay it or like whatever like one of those like you know i don't know exactly what's called but like it's like all the dots of like the the, the genetic markers like and they overlay it's like look perfect match is that real or is that tv too <laughs> absolutely wrong so Damn. fake there's no gooey program that shows you the like the two overlapping yeah definitely not because i guess that's the you know what were we talking about was it oh it's in the back half of this episode with the freakouts. it's like yeah we just need to show a thing because can't be just somebody like oh i'm freaking out it's like because otherwise it's like looking at a piece of paper it's like yep he's the killer it's like well gotta show that right like look we're gonna we're gonna put it up in this like white box and like the light box and be like okay here we go overlay perfect match yes like a readout of like DNA things is just going to be like, it's just a giant file, like a text file of just letters to start out with. Yeah. That's well, what GCATATCCG. <laughs> no. Oh my God. It's, it's the same. It's, yeah. It's, the, it's absolutely the same. Anything else about uh, Tanner and Brian in Police House that you have of note? This one definitely felt like it, it should be cut. That's why I've, like, that's my main takeaway from this one is like, it was like, okay, we got 22 seconds here. The OJ reference that I can see that being dated at the time. And now you just get another shot of the house. Nothing of any real use happens. So also the big takeaway is that people don't like cops. It's like, yeah, we get it. Yeah. 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 And like, we know that from like Vince hating the cops and everyone hating the cops in general. So yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe, let us take a break and let us come back to talk about Alfred Hitchcock's Spellbound. episode number 148 spellbound this episode is brought to you by atomic memory fit boots atomic memory fit is one of the quickest heat fitting technologies around and you can totally personalize boots in a matter of minutes what makes memory fit so special is that it's all three elements of the boot adapt to your foot the shell the cuff and the liner if you need new ski boots call atomic memory fit well shout out to atomic memory fit and welcome back to the show this is i was saying to you when we watched this separately last night that this is the third oldest movie i've seen this year Ooh. and the oldest since january 3rd so like basically <laughs> I started the movie off a couple or started, started a year off a couple old movies and then have not gone this old since but here <laughs> we are how familiar are you overall with alfred hitchcock i've seen a 
bunch of the classics. What's a bunch? Like five? Yeah, probably like the top five. And, and like, I'm saying like just from memory, there's ones that I've seen like m- multiple times, like Psycho, okay, um, The Birds, Rear Window. I know I've seen a bunch of the show too, like with my grandparents when I was a kid. Okay. I, I don't know. I, I, like off the top of my head, I couldn't name like 20 of them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've never seen any of the show, but I've seen probably a dozen or more of his movies. So this is 1945. This is still on the early so side, the, the, right? That's the weird thing. Like he it has made probably early. 25 movies by this point. Okay. But they're mostly low budget things that, you know, I went to Walmart like a decade ago and they're like, here's 20 Hitchcock movies for $5. It's like, wait, what? But they're all the old stuff that's kind of in the public domain. Like by this point, he had made a few that you might have heard of. Like, like what? He made Rebecca, which was actually was just remade for Netflix. Nah, didn't it's hear based that on a book. The Lady Vanishes came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 39 Steps had come out. Strangers okay. on a Train had come out. Rope Strange had come out. Everything that people know about him or know him for predominantly, like psych- like all the ones you said, like Psycho and The Birds and Rear Window, but Vertigo and North by Northwest yes. and yes, Feeding yes. Frenzy and all those, that's all after. So like this is still like a couple decades into his career, but also, you know, not early in not, the hits. It's, it's early, yes. And I think this is one that's fairly popular fairly well regarded but not one of his like on letterboxd i think it's probably his like 12th or 14th most famous like it's popular but not it's not the birds right yeah, like it's exactly. a different yeah. thing but i had never seen this before had you seen this one before or no 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 absolutely not and it kind of felt like because of because my impressions of hitchcock come from like the hits when it's when this one started out it felt early like I didn't even like look at the date to kind of place it, but it just felt like not a Hitchcock movie like we see later with like the the music. Well, so the music uh, is going to play a big part. I have a lot of trivia about different things, but okay. the other thing to set up. Do you know? Did you recognize? Did you look up either of these leads? It's like one's Gregory Peck, who's super famous, right? But do you know what he's from or no? Is oh, I'm gonna guess. This is straight off the top of my head. I didn't touch any keyboards. There's one role that they're both like each of them is well, really well known for. I'm gonna say um, it's a Wonderful Life. No. No. I don't know if he's in that or not. I don't think he is, but he's Rachel's most shaking known. Her head. She's laughing at me. Go ahead. He's most known for playing Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird. Ah, oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. I like the book so much better than the movie. Yeah, no. I think that like he's most known on Letterboxd for To Kill a Mockingbird, then Cape Fear, the uh, Scorsese movie, and then Roman yeah. Holiday. So, like, I mean, he's not a one and done, but he's, you know, mostly known for Atticus Finch. And then did you recognize her? No, I didn't. I had no idea who she was. So that's Ingrid Bergman, who's, you know, the female lead in one of the, you know, in Casablanca. Heard of it? Mm, okay. okay. She's also in Notorious, which is a Hitchcock movie that will come out the next year with her and Cary Grant and Claude Rains, who is... Does she have an accent, or does she play she's an Swedish. accent in this yeah, movie? Yeah, no, she's Swedish. Okay, okay. These are two people that are, like, massively... Like, she's been in a bunch of things. Like, she's one of the more famous celebrities of that time, I think, actresses of that time. Yes. But, like, yeah. I think predominantly known for Casablanca, but both good performances from people who are mostly known for other things i think yeah gregory peck is like a big name like i remember like my grandma talking about him all the time they're kind of george clooney-ish kind of guy right yeah and like this is 20 years before mockingbird so like there's a lot of his career that i don't know i i I, you know i just don't know what he's been in otherwise but he was like big in the movie in the what in the the pictures 
In the pictures, yeah, he was big in the pictures back in the day. So this is an adaptation of the novel The House of Dr. Edwards. So the the thing about this is that I was looking on Letterboxd, like, what this is about, and, like, I'm like, I think that's Ingrid Bergman, but I want to check. I'm like, I hear a character, and I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. And then I'm like, I don't really, like, I know what Gregory Peck looks like, but, like, a lot of these dudes, like, could be, like, I, I don't know. I yeah. haven't seen a ton of these movies from this time. You're right, yeah. And I hear his name, and it's, you know, Anthony Edwards or whatever, right? I look on Letterboxd, and it's like, <laughs> he's credited as John Valentine. I'm like the fuck like hold on and then i like read the summary and it's like a man is he thinks he's murdered someone but can't remember i'm like why are you saying this in the description like i guess that's what it's about but i'm like you just spoiled the first 35 minutes of your movie like yep the movie is about there is amnesia thank god there is yes each time that we do one of these movies that i haven't seen before (laughs) a couple years ago there was oh god what's the movie called anna and the apocalypse it's wonderful. Actually, the the woman who plays Anna is actually in Dickinson, which is great. She plays the and Emily Dickinson's best friend. I was saying to Brian, I'm like, I think this is a high school movie, but I'm not 100% sure. But he, Mike, and I went to go see it in a movie theater. We were going to go back to Mike's house and record an episode of Slumber Party. And the whole time I'm like, ah. like I'm like 85% sure this is a high school movie, but like it might not be. And like if it's not, I like kind of screwed Brian over for scheduling. Yeah. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then like, all right, going off to school, I'm like, hell yeah, man, like I got it. <laughs> so like each of these movies where I'm like, okay, it's a bunch of doctors, it's psychoanalysts, you know, like kind of, it's kind, of, it's in the ballpark. And then he's like, I can't remember. I'm like, thank God. Like, <laughs> like worst case, we just see a good movie. But it's like at the end of the day, it's just like I'd like it to be thematically appropriate. And so I was, I was a little worried for a little while, and I'm like, okay, whew, good. I wasn't good. worried at all. I felt. This this gave me a lot of Shutter Island vibes from the jump. So okay. I was like, I was in it. I was like, okay, there's definitely going to be some, like, I knew it was Hitchcock, right? It's so, like, you're going to get like a twist at the end. Speaking of that, did you catch his cameo? Oh, fuck. No, I didn't. Because I missed it the first time <sighs> I looked it up. But when they get to the hotel and she's like looking around for Gregory Peck, he like gets off the elevator holding a violin case and smoking a cigarette. And just like, he's not, uh... he's not big. He's like kind of just like, got a little bit of a belly, but he's not a Hitchcock belly yet, but he just, you know, walked by and very clearly him. But I was, I was wondering, cause it was at the end, maybe there were scenes at the end where I was like, oh, I thought it was going to be when they're at Grand Central going to Rochester or whatever. I'm like, I bet he's here. I thought it was going to be like when all the doctors walk in of the mm, office. Yes. There's so many people, right? And it's like, we're the cops and the doctors and the people here. No, he's just the elevator. So if people don't know, he puts himself in a very small cameo role, like usually not speaking. Stanley. Like, yeah, but not Stanley because it's not he doesn't really just say a line he's just like a guy who like walks through the frame like you can very notice but it's not like peter parker talking to stanley it's just like a yep, yep, yep. walk in front of it or whatever mm-hmm. this movie was nominated for six oscars it won one it was nominated for best Damn. picture it lost to the lost weekend which i don't know uh the director hitchcock was obviously nominated but he also lost to the guy who did billy wilder who was famous who did the apartment which is okay. a great Christmas movie. Who did the Lost Weekend? Best actor in supporting role: Michael Chekhov, who's the guy who plays the doctor. They go to visit the old man. Ah, okay. he was nominated. Yeah. He was best good. cinematography, best special effects, and best oh music. God. The music won. Scoring of a dramatic or comedic picture. Oh, that's kind of cool. It's funny to think that like the special effects, yeah, or, that, that that there even was a special effects category because it's something that I don't think about. 
without like CGI, right? Like, I wonder what the the special like the special effects might be. The fact that they hand painted two frames at the end red for like the flash of the gun. That whole like weird dream sequence, which too. I have a lot about. I have a lot about that. Okay, but cool. yes. Also, this is that time where best cinematography in the black and white category because there were separate ones for color films and black and white films. So there were oh. two different Oscars. So this is best cinematography black and white, which is noteworthy. Uh, the only best best picture nominee that year to be nominated for best special effects. So. To your point, it's rare, I guess, that a movie this good also has weird stuff going on. Yeah. And the only Best Picture nominee that year not to be nominated for either lead acting category. So the, uh, the Academy, I guess, were not very thrilled with Ingrid Bergman or Gregory Peck. I think they're good, but maybe they're just not as good as whoever won that year. I yeah, know. I have no um, frame of reference for that one. So. so speaking of the music, this is very, very cool, especially to us for a couple different reasons. So okay. this guy, I want to get the guy's name. So the music is done by Miklos Rosa, R-O-Z-S-A, who is Hungarian, right? Okay. So he is this guy who did a bunch of old movies. He inspired Jerry Goldsmith to become a film composer. This guy, Jerry Goldsmith, is like, I love this music so much, I'm going to become a composer myself, right? Okay. So this score inspired that. But noteworthy is because Goldsmith is most known for film and TV. So he's done a bunch of big things like the Star Trek movies, Rambo, Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes, Chinatown, Air Force One, Mulan, like a bunch of like big movies, right? Pretty big cool. movies, yeah, big movies. In 1997, this guy, Jerry Goldsmith, created the, what they call the Fanfare, which is like the opening title credits, the music, for the Universal logo, which we see huh. in each one of our Fast and Furious movies. That's a really cool connection, buddy. That's really good. But there's even more. Hold on. Go ahead, so keep going. So it was first, this, his version was first played in the Lost World Jurassic Park, so in 1997. But then, in 2012, for the Universal Studios' 100th anniversary, it was reworked by a guy named Brian Tyler, who has scored oh. five Fast and Furious <laughs> movies. BT. There no, you go. not BT. Different what? guy. Two different guys. There's a BT and there's a Brian Tyler. Different guys. Both have worked on the Fast and Furious. Oh, damn. Okay, cool. That, that yeah. works for me, but I, I just assumed that it was BT. If you look at Brian Tyler on Wiki, because I had to check, it's like not to be confused with BT musician, but they've both worked. Wow. BT did the first one, but Brian Tyler did like three on. He did like three, four, five, six, seven or something like that. Wow. Yeah. What a fast connection there. I know. Goldsmith, just to put a button on him, was not only for six Grammys, five Emmys, nine Golden Globes, four BAFTAs, and 18 Academy Awards. He won in 1976 The Omen. So, like, this score inspired this guy who not only was nominated for a whole bunch of stuff, but essentially directly led to music that we have heard every time we put on a Fast and Furious movie. Insane. Yeah, that's really, really crazy. And the last bit of trivia, so actually, before we get there, so the psychotherapy stuff, because this is about psychoanalysis, that Ingrid Bergman plays this doctor who's in the study of dreams. She's kind of a therapist, but not exactly, like, more doctory. Not that therapists aren't doctors, but she's, like, more clinical, I would say. Like, it's kind of this weird, like, how would you describe her role? She's a practicing physician. But it's at a weird time where, like, you know, she's doing, like, they're all doing some research. Now we call this translational medicine, right? That you're, like, doing research and practicing, right? Okay. Medicine, that go, like, it's not like hard science where you're just like doing behavioral studies, but it's also kind of different with like psychology type things because you have like you, it's the study of people, right? As opposed to like hard science, you know, chemicals, molecules, shit like that. Gotcha. It's a weird recreational mental hospital. Like they're on like the wild west of like what dreams mean. They're like, oh, this means this. Here's some drugs. You're cured now. It's like, oh, wait, what? Like the ex the explanation of like you have these demons and if you like un 
unlock what the demons mean, they get expelled from you, and you're able to, like, be go free and clear. I was laughing at this, that, that, like, in the 1940s, that this is what we think. Like, it's the beginning of, like, um, Freud and, like, discussion there like therapy but their their conclusion was like once you figure out what's like what your what your demons or your trauma is then it's gone and it's like no no that's a whole we've got you know 70 80 years later we're like no you can figure it out but it's still like you have to deal with it too you know they're just like once you figure it out you're good like you're totally fine and what's even funnier in a not a funny way but that's the only word that comes to mind is that the movie opens with this woman going to talk to ingrid bergman about how like she's like sexually frustrated right and she like she had a dream that she wanted or maybe she even actually bit this guy's mustache like she just like yeah sexually frustrated whatever so not only is like the explanation the exploration of the mental illness and just everything like that very new and very unlearned right now but the early versions of the script had words like sex menace and frustrations and libido and tomcat in that scene and apparently the product code administrator director strongly objected to those because like back then there weren't ratings this was pre-mpaa so it's like either like this guy says yes we can show this movie or no you can't uh so he's like you got to get rid of all that so like not only are they not really understanding how mental health and mental illness and whatever work? Yes. But it's also like beyond that in terms of depicting it, it's like, oh, you can't say these things either. So like it's two steps removed from anything that's even remotely approaching like how we would treat things today. Agreed. Yeah, it was it was very interesting from this perspective. I was watching the whole movie through this kind of lens of like science of the 40s, and it was very strange. This is a movie that was produced by this guy, David O. Selznick, who's a pretty big producer at the time. I think he would do like three movies or something with Hitchcock. It seemed like they had a very combative relationship, uh, but okay. it came from his relationship with psychotherapy. He brought his psychotherapist into the set just to be like, hey, can you advise on this? And at one point, she's like, none of this is how it actually happens. And Hitchcock just goes, my dear, it's only a movie. So, like, he didn't, like, give a shit. He's just, like, we're telling a story. Because he would describe it as, quote, just another manhunt wrapped up in pseudo-psychoanalysis. Like, he knows, like, we're going to throw it in this world, but, like, we don't really need to know. Like, we're not trying to prove to people, like, psychoanalysis works. It's, like, we're going to throw, like, a trippy dream sequence, and we're going to do a thing, and, like, it's going to be a good movie. We don't really care if it's true or not, right? He but, like, she's- he it as a set, not... Yeah. to be realistic. He's not shooting a documentary, right? right? That's his whole point, and that makes sense to me, too. And it's one of the first Hollywood movies to deal with psychoanalysis. So, like, now there's a lot of stuff about dreams and, like, Inception, right? Like, with oh, without yeah. Spellbound, there is no Inception. Uh, maybe. But maybe not. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? Yeah. I feel like this movie, like I said earlier, I feel like this movie directly influenced Shutter Island. I, I saw, like, so much Shutter Island in this. The dream stuff. So there's a dream sequence in this movie that... The guy thinks he murdered someone. He's pretending he's the guy that he thinks he murdered because yes. who, who, he doesn't know who he is. He's just trying to like figure things out. Right? He figures yes. if he stays close enough, he'll remember whatever. Ingrid Bergman brings him to her advisor, her mentor, whatever. The guy who was nominated for the Oscar, Michael Chekhov, Dr. Alexander Brulov, yes. brings him yes. there and they like do like a regression hypnosis and they're like, remember the dream. And so he describes this dream. I had no idea this this happened, but they brought Salvador Dali in to do this whole thing. Oh, that makes so much. It felt so like it. Oh, that makes so much sense, dude. So they apparently did like a 20 minute version of this. Eventually got cut down to the two minutes that we saw, but they brought Dali in because Hitchcock loved Dali. And he realized that no one did dream stuff better. Dead on. Like, yeah. Selznick, the producer, was like, I don't want to bring him in. He's too expensive. And then realized eventually, 
oh, we can market this as like a, hey, Salvador Dali like created stuff. So like he's an art director on this, but like he eventually realized, oh, this is a marketing opportunity. So they brought him in. And so it was supposed to be 20 minutes longer. There was a scene in a ballroom with hanging pianos and still figures pretending to dance. Ingrid Bergman at one point was going to turn into a statue to create wow. the illusion of a room of great size. They had little people in the background on a scaled down set, which didn't make Hitchcock happy or Dolly happy. The whole thing was cut due to lack of time and inability to like make everybody happy. The guy who filmed it all, like it was essentially like a second unit guy, for better or worse, like William Cameron Menzies, did not like the way it turned out. He called it unappealing. He's like, don't put my name on it. Hitchcock's like, all right, cool. And then everyone loved it. And so Hitchcock was like, yeah, fuck yeah, I did it. Like, why not? <laughs> What a dick. Yeah, Hitchcock <laughs> was like barely involved in this. This other guy did everything. He didn't like the way it turned out. He's like, D- I don't, don't put my name on it. And he's like, all right, cool. That's all the trivia. There's a couple things at the end that I want to bring up, very minor things. But uh, for a long time in this movie, I was like, this kind of feels like the opposite of a Fast and Furious movie. Because like, there's no action. There's no cuts. It's all dialogue. And I'm like, this is like the opposite of everything we've seen. Yeah. Eventually it gets to the memory loss thing. But what did you think of Spellbound? Did you enjoy this movie? Overall impressions? Hit me with it. I really liked it. I was actually more enthused by it because it was actually better than I thought. I do feel like we are so hyper stimulated now that like I was let down by like the twists. Not that I figured them out, but just the sense that expected them to be more complex and this is one of the issues we ran into that like we're more informed you know customers now we see so much more media and film and stuff i still was like oh this is really good but i was like oh man if it was like way more shutter islandy and like way more complicated and convoluted it would have turned out better but that's just like not of the time so that was just me just like that's my like biggest gripe about it, but it's my own fault. I remember when I watched Shutter Island the first time, like I figured out what was going on. And I was like, oh, that's underwhelming. Like to me, that was just like I read through that. Like this, I guess because you know, I mean, to your point, like it's all simpler. Like this is not the yes. thousandth time we've seen this. It's the first time people have seen a lot of this, right? And yep. I think in retrospect, it does kind of seem like oh, and like the way that she's like, you won't kill me because the guy you like that. We'll talk about the twist at the end or whatever, but like. Yeah. The other guy you killed, like you had a, you were mentally unwell then. Like Drury will let you off, but if you kill me now, that's a murder. And she like walks out, it's like that, that's not how this would play. Like no, that's a he weird would just thing. shoot her right in the face. Yeah, She's but dead. Uh, being hyper stimulated and seeing this type of thing, variations or descendants of this so often, it's like oh yeah, it's fun to look at these movies in the time that they were set too, because there's just like all kinds of wacky shit that's always happening that you're just like oh yeah, like everybody's smoking everywhere, even stuff like that that like has changed since like the 80s, right? You're like oh god, yeah, I totally forgot that this could just people did shit like this. Yeah, to the point now where like you can't show people smoking in a movie unless there's a reason, like or it's yep. gonna be rated R. Like they just so firmly wanted out of the zeitgeist and out of kids' eyes and kids' minds that they're just like, yeah, like only bad guys smoke, and like that's in a movie that you're probably not watching anyway. So, but yeah, here everybody, you know, Hitchcock walking out with his violin case and cigarettes, just like, oh yeah, like that's what I mean, like doctor smoking lobby, in the lunchroom, right? Yeah, the lobby of the hotel. You yep. know what I mean? I'm like, oh god, fuck! I totally forgot you could do that. Like. Can you imagine if you walked into a hotel lobby right now and somebody was smoking? You'd be like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I mean, also a different world. I think this is the first time that a movie we have watched begins with an overture. Um, oh, and God. there's exit music as well. There's just like four minutes at the beginning and like four <laughs> minutes at the end of just music. That There's not a lot of movies that I've seen with overtures. Like when Hateful Eight did the road show and Tarantino put out the like 70 millimeter version, that had an overture. But like, that's a throwback to this time. Like, yes. Yeah. No other movie is just going to like start with like four. I'm just like, 
Okay. It's very theatery. Yeah, exactly. Like a play, like a like a some kind of performance. Like, oh, here's the the overture starting. We need to get to our seats. Like this kind of thing. And it's the kind of thing where, like, if you're a, a trained musical ear, you can be like, it tells the story of the thing or whatever. But like, it starts peace, peaceful and then gets kind of chaotic. It's like, yeah, but, like that's what I figure a thriller is going to be anyway. It's, it's not, <laughs> there's there's nothing to decode here in the over. Like, yep. it's nice music, but it's like I, I get it. Like, I didn't want to skip through, but like I could have skipped through i didn't expect it to be this long so like as we're watching it with rachel i was like what if this movie is like 30 minutes of overture and like 30 minutes of exit music and it's only like an hour long like it's just like a full album at the beginning of it it's four and four i think it's like an hour i think with everything it's like an hour 58 but like the credits up front like the movie doesn't really get started in earnest like seven or eight minutes so like all in all probably like an hour 45 of actual movie but I did write down that we could probably, it feels like we could use a psychoanalyst to decode the hidden love stories in the Fastiverse. Like, imagine, like, Brian O'Connor lying on a couch and being like, Doc, you know, like, I'm, I'm I'm a cop, I'm undercover, and, like, you know, I'm in love with this girl, but, like, there's this guy, like, her brother. I'm just, like, it's like, I think you're in love with the brother. I kind of see this, but I was thinking more along the lines of, like, when we see Cypher and she's trying to be like, this is game theory. Remember like those kind of parts. And I feel like Cypher would be like a prime candidate to get psychoanalyzed or to be psychoanalyzing another one of our characters. Well, she kind of, I think she kind of does to your point, like at the beginning of eight where she's like, you know, how many times have you walked this route? She's like, Oh, I'm just like, but that's like also kind of like, look how smart I am. It's like, well, you're not that smart. You just think you're smart. Right. So, I mean, you are smart, but like, it's like the, the detective in the lobby of this movie when he's like, I'm kind of a psychologist myself. And she's like, oh, really? And she's like, actually a psychologist. Yep. A lot of this movie depends upon the thrust that they fall in love immediately and are essentially willing to die for one another, even though he doesn't remember. He walks into the lunchroom and she, like, the way the music swells and Hitchcock lights her face and just, it's all beautiful. It's like, oh, they're in love already. Yep. And then they go on a date in a field, which is very cutesy. And he's like, I got sandwiches. Do you want ham or liverwurst? And she turns to the camera. She's like liverwurst liver and then it cuts away i'm like that's the best like th- i don't know what that is but man i just love it do you know what liverwurst is have you ever had it oh i, had, I used to love it growing up now the idea Ugh. of it like just grosses me up but like it was my favorite sandwich really yeah oh man i remember my grandma used to eat it and i just remember it smelled so bad yeah it's like chicken liver in a paste yeah, like in like, a tube from oscar meyer yeah this is like my nightmare food like i don't want anything to do with this Oh, okay. It's very timely for them to be eating liver. Like, this isn't, like, nobody gets liverwurst sandwiches now. No, I don't think so. I mean, like, I had it growing up in the 90s, but, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, I wonder if I would like it now, but, like, just the smell would put me off, I think. Yep, I think so, too. But we get in here something, and it's not them having sex, because as far as I can tell, they don't have sex during this movie, because it's all, like, we're in love, but we're just going to kiss. It takes place essentially like in a sleep, not a sleepaway camp, but like they all live and work in the same building, right? Where they all yeah, treat patients, yeah, yeah. they all live there. Yep. After they have this date in the park, she's like, she can't sleep. She's like, she's so smitten by him. She goes up and just like opens the door and he's just sitting by his bed reading and he sees her there and they like both close up their robes a little bit more and they kiss. And then we cut to four doors opening and I'm like, that's kind of a quadruple space of doors. I thought so too. Yep. Yep. A hundred percent. What do the doors opening symbolize? Like it, it's a little too on the head to make me, it made me uncomfortable with how on the head it was, but also it feels weird. But like, it's not like they're not having sex. They're just at the opening of their love, I guess. Yeah. They're opening their hearts to each other. But it felt very sexual. It was in the Zac Efron movie, Me and Orson Welles, that yes. we coined this, That, or we didn't coin it, but we adopted it from there, that in old-timey movies, 
you know, of the time when, you know, mm-hmm. Zach Efron's character is making a movie with Orson Welles or whatever. They wouldn't show people having sex. They would just like quadruple space in the in the script or in the book or whatever four times. They hit four, line break, line break, line break, line break. And you were led to believe, oh, they had sex. We just didn't see about it. Yes. It's, it's essentially that, but like more visual. And I'm like, oh, I guess it did happen. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, it's four doors. So I'm wondering if like quadruple space was like the real colloquialism, like four spaces, four doors. There you go. Quadruple spaced. Seriously. I think it would have been like, oh, like them having sex, but like just having the history with, I think Mike was on that episode too. Yeah. Mike's story yeah. just like, we had such a long conversation. I was like, oh, okay. No, and but it, it's also a thing that we don't think about because like now you could just like, you know, dicks in Game of Thrones whenever you want, right? Like... You can just have limp dicks, like, wherever, so... Yeah, we eventually find out why, but, like, one of the things that is funny in retrospect because of the way that, like, science and mental health has changed is, like, how freaked out Gregory Peck is by wavy lines. Like, every time he sees wavy lines, like, I can't, I can't. And I'm just like, it's because it's ski tracks, because, like, he was around a guy who got shot, but it reminded him of the time he eventually, he accidentally killed his brother when they were little. We'll talk about that, but, like, yeah, it's such a leap to be, like, She's like drawing wavy lines on the tablecloth. He's like, I can't be here. Yeah, it's nuts. It's it's a weird perception of having something so visual be a trigger. Like it's something that's like so literal and is easy to show. I'm unsure that that's the most common way that this presents itself in real people that have triggers that would cause them to like feel like this. No, I think it's just a visual shortcut for a movie. I think it's just like yeah. a, he's freaked out. Like they need to show him freaking out. Like they just can't have him. I guess they didn't want to just show him freaking out about nothing, which I guess, I don't know. They want to like leave hints maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I would like your impression, please, on uh, the character who reminded me the most of you in this movie. <laughs> so. I don't even he, need to say more than that. You know exactly what I'm talking I about, right? exactly what you're talking about. So Gregory Peck is pretending to be the head of the doctor thing, gets kind of found out. She finds out. He runs away to New York because he needs to figure out his life and who he really is. He was getting in trouble and the cops were going to show up. So he runs to this hotel and goes like, he like writes her a note, like I'll be at the, at the Empire State Hotel. So she shows up to the hotel and she sits down and the guy sits down next to her and goes, hey, I'm from Pittsburgh. Like, that's like it. Like, off the rip. Like, the first thing he says. And I was like, oh, very on brand. He's like, you know, in a city like this, it would never happen, but in Pittsburgh. And he says the word Pittsburgh, like, six times in a minute (laughs) and a half. (laughs) Yep. He's like, in Pittsburgh, you could definitely meet people. They're really friendly there. I love Pittsburgh. This is a too big city, but, like, Pittsburgh is a cool city and smaller, and it's really nice there. And he keeps talking to her, and I was like, oh, God, this is so dead on. And, like, I can't believe we've been like this for, like, 80 years. I mean, not, like, aggressively creepy to women, just, like, the, I'm going to tell you about this, like, immediately the first thing's out of my mouth. And it it was wonderful. Yeah, he just sits down, like, almost on top of her, and it's just like, hey, let me tell you about Pittsburgh. It's like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, and she's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, and yeah. he's like, I know, I'm gonna keep talking about this until you listen. So, like, yeah. that's how it happens. And eventually, the hotel detective, which apparently is a job, comes over. It's like, hey, buddy, scram! 
And then when he goes away, the guy comes back and then just, yep. you know, it's a nice little beat there. One thing that I was like, oh, right, 1945, when they're in Grand Central, so like she goes up, she finds the room. Which is super cool because you've been, like, Grand Central No, is we how... talked about this. I have not been to Grand Central. Oh, we, fuck, dude. We okay, talked yeah, about, what, what movie was it? We were doing oh, something. God. We were like, oh, you've been there, right? I'm like, no, I haven't. Like, it was something that's right. last lap, maybe? I don't remember. Yeah, but like, it's it was really cool for me because like I've said before, that's how we get to New York City. So like, we take Metro North from New Haven to Grand Central and and our track number when we were watching this I was like talking to Rachel I think our track number is like 24 like usually we're about like 24 is where we get the, like the Metro North and they keep going to track number 22 and the doors almost still look like this right like so I was like wow this is very fucking strange you don't have like a ticket guy in the front though but it was cool to see an old grand central for can me. you tell me is there still a gigantic sign that's probably like 20 feet by 40 feet buy, buy war more war bonds <laughs> no. no that definitely doesn't exist there's a bar up there now right under where that sign is like there's like steps that go up and there's a bar there and i usually guzzle a beer there before we get on the train so so this guy is having freakouts all movie long and he's like got like a burn on his hand she's like oh third degree burn you've been burned you've been a skin graft let's figure <laughs> this out and then like she's like try to remember where you bought a ticket from he's just like i don't know rome like what Rome? And they buy tickets to Rome, Georgia, but then they like go secretly to Rochester, yes. which is where her mentor is, because she's like, We yeah. need to we need to walk you through some shit. Cause like I am not a doc I'm not doctor enough to figure out what's going on in your brain. Like I can kind of get there, but <laughs> yeah. like you are fucked up, my man. Yes. And so they You're go up to Rochester. Repair. We teased this, we were talking about this in the last opening to the last episode. They get to this guy's house. <laughs> this is and his so great. Housekeeper opens the door and she's like, Thank God you're here. I gotta go. Room's over there. He's not here. He'll be back here. By the way, let him know dinner's on the table. Oh, and there's other people in the room, too. Let him know that they're here, too. And you're like, what? I don't know. Fuck. And so they go in there, and eventually it becomes clear that these other people are cops on the case of these people, which must mean they're, like, Brian-level bad at their job, because, like... (laughs) Her picture's literally in the paper. They don't recognize her. And but there's not like a fax me. machine, dude. So like it's true. So like they might not have gotten the pictures yet. And also they're not investigating them. They're investigating the death of this guy or the disappearance of the doctor that he's pretending to be. That's true. They ask her mentor, you got into a fight with the, the Dr. Edwards, who's like now missing. Was it you? Like they suspect him because they got into like a scuff at like a conference somewhere. They don't suspect these two to be a part of it yet. Right. Because if they knew at all, they're like, oh, game over here. But they eventually go away. They stay over. They have this whole like back and forth, like, oh, who takes the bed? I'll take the couch, whatever. And then in the middle of the night, he wakes up and like, you know, yep. it makes me nervous that he's going to slash, like, you know, the whole point of the scene, like he's going to slash her throat with this shaving razor. Yes. But like, he goes into this bathroom that is so nice and like immaculately designed. And I'm like, are they in a hotel? Oh, no, they're just upstairs at this dude's house. Like, yep. the entire, like, what a hotel looks like with like the fine presentation, the sparse decor, and like just the clean everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, like, that's a nice bathroom. Joey, we need to go back to this fucking time where scientists and intellectuals get some fucking respect in this town. I want to know where my hotel-level bathroom is. Why don't I have housekeepers that let cops into my house whenever they feel like? Well, when my sister and I moved to Austin, we had a spare bedroom. We turned in the guest room. We had an ensuite bathroom there, too. And we were like, we're going to treat this like a little, like, little getaway. We're going to have, like, you know, an individually wrapped 
like you know travel size toothpaste and just wrapped Perfect. toothbrush and like towel yep. and everything and we're like you know when people come here they're gonna be like oh whatever you need it's here and then we had one person use it we're like we're not rebuying that stuff like what what are we who are we made of money like what, yeah. what? <laughs> it's like a nice idea in theory but i'm like i'm not gonna refill this every time we have a guest like not that we had a ton of guests but i'm just like i'm not gonna pay money like bring your own goddamn toothpaste but yeah like you who travels without toothpaste you dicks yeah. like <laughs> exactly I thought it was going to get really sad and you were going to be like, nobody ever visited. No, we did. Like, no. like people, but people also were like, you know, were nice. And they didn't because they had their own stuff. But like, yeah, people exactly. use them. I'm like, I'm not going to buy another travel toothpaste. Like it's a dollar. But I'm like, hmm. that works. That's perfect. Oh, much happier ending of that story than I was thinking. I have some quotes written down. Like the doctor told me not to smoke in the morning, which I guess the doctor's like, you can smoke anytime. Just don't smoke in the morning. <laughs> but he's very, like, the doctor yeah. told me not to smoke in the morning, but I'm too excited. He throws the matches everywhere. Like he's about to regress the guy under hypnosis. When they're in the hotel and he's like oh yeah i could definitely help you find your husband when she's like looking for him and he's like i know how it feels when you're waiting for your wife to apologize <sighs> and you're like what the fuck <laughs> that, that was on the- her upstairs like she could be a stranger or a murderer but like you know just a pretty blonde lady in the 40s like guy doesn't think anything of it but like yeah <laughs> oh you want to apologize to your husband i know how much i want my wife to apologize to me when she's a bitch <laughs> right to me. like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like what it was like so he was like oh yeah like when a wife needs to apologize she Mm -hmm. needs to apologize (laughs) like well i get it and i was like what okay yeah i guess this doesn't happen in my house so like (laughs) the weirdest thing (laughs) it was so weird on the inverse of that like she is nothing but like she's so loving of him she's just like i couldn't feel this way about a man who was better who committed murder like what like I know myself, I would not love a murderer, and I love you, you can't be a murderer. Like, it's kind of like a Letty the Dom, like, I'm not ready to die, like, you can't die, because I'm not ready, it's like, well, that's not, that's not how things work. Like, you could just love a guy you think is not a murderer, but, like, he might be a murderer. He definitely might have murdered. He might have murdered before. He might. Yeah. And he was in the war, so he was definitely murdering people. Like, I mean, I get that that's like a fluid... That's forgotten country, yeah. Like, that's like a very fluid thing, but, like, he, he has blood on his hands, at some point, right? He was in the army. Sure. So then they have the dream sequence we talked about before, the Dolly dream sequence where there's all kinds of crazy Which visuals incredible. and there's like the dance. There's a woman going around kissing people and there's like the the roof, but we find out it's the ski. She's like, oh, this doctor used to write all the time in his books about how skiing helps like regression. It's like, wait, what? No, no, no. They they mentioned that before because because the other doctors are bitching about it. Edwards was like a newfangled doctor that would constantly take his patients to go like play tennis and like do all this other shit. Like they like alluded to this earlier. Okay. Because the alluding early comes back because the guy's like, I don't know who this guy is. I've never met him before. And like eventually, you know. That's how it gets found out. But okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. then she's like, okay, we got to go skiing because that's probably where he took you. And this yeah. dude is freaked out. He's like, what happens if I do it again? She's like, you're not going to kill me. You love me. <laughs> sure. <laughs> cool. And he already like almost murdered the, the assistant with the fucking razor blade coming downstairs at night too. Yep. So so then there's like the ski tracks in the snow, which is both like good CGI considering it's like almost 80 years ago and also oh just like – corny yeah. cgi but then bond has done this before we've seen this in other movies like we've had roman on a snowmobile but we've never had like a, a chase through skiing like a skiing like down a mountain like that's pretty fast and furious it is and i was thinking that 
she gets triggered into thinking about this by the kids sledding. And I was thinking about like Roman on the door being dragged across the ice because that's like as close to sledding as we've gotten to. You're right. We've never had like actual skiing. And that would be, I, th- I think James Bond kind of like took it. And I think that whatever one he did in was not good. They also, you know, they did it in like Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, yeah. In the beginning yeah, of Triple X, Return of Xander Cage, which one day we will cover on the show for a Vin Diesel lap, like he skis down a mountain in the jungle where there's no snow, but he still wears skis. Like it's crazy. Like they've done it elsewhere, but I guess maybe it's not enough, not vehicle enough for us. I yeah, don't it's know. not fast enough. We would need like motorized skis. I guess snowmobile, right? Like that's just, yeah, that's what we got. So yeah, kind of. I just want sense. more. I agree. We need more snow. We just had the whole fucking ice one in Russia with the with the submarine. We need more snow. Fast and Furious. I think we talked about we don't have, we don't really have water either. Like we've done little water, but like we're mostly just on land. Yeah, we've had Tej with the boats and definitely had some other boat things in Miami, but like. Yeah, you're right. Not a lot of not a lot of water, not a lot of snow. We're going outer space ostensibly, right? So like what if they go like jet skiing on the moon or on Mars? Would love it. Mars rover? Yeah, Mars but it's dragging a jet it's like and there's water. They find water, confirm life on Mars and just jet ski away into the sunset. I'm into it. Cool. My favorite <laughs> My favorite moment in this movie though, two cops looking at a picture of Ingrid Bergman and they literally Yep. draw eyeglasses <laughs> on the picture yep. with a pencil and they're yep. like oh my god we know her it's like how could you like i got hair blindness but you guys are cops like how do you not recognize her without drawing like caricaturist eyeglasses on this picture like i was like this is amazing to their credit every fucking man and woman in this ha- in this time and that hotel lobby had like the exact same hat on the exact same coat on and like the same hairstyle so like it's like color like the shape is all the same so it's True. very very it's very very hard like when they were walking through the hotel but also lobby, like again like the most beautiful woman you've ever seen like you can't recognize her with glasses <sighs> or without glasses right like yeah, yeah, true, true. It's like one of those moments, like when you have a movie and somebody's wearing like a bad disguise and they like take their glasses off and everybody's like, "Oh shit, it's them!" And you're like, "Yeah, did we all?" It's it's like they have a very distinct face. Like it's you a didn't... Clark Kent Superman thing, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. But we eventually find out that this guy is so freaked out because he, when he was little, slid down a banister, just gruesome, and then scene. accidentally kicks his brother onto like. Would have to be the sharpest spikes in the world, like kind of spiky guard posts outside their like apartment building or it's whatever. It's like a fence, like a like a fence rail. Yeah. But like the old like wrought iron ones that mm-hmm. like come to a point and like just impales his brother. Yeah, his brother's sitting at the fence. bottom of the banister. This kid who grows up to be John Ballantyne slides down the banister, kicks the brother, who flies into the air and stomach on the spikes. And it's like, oh God. But then we find out that the doctor died there too. And so like he actually was dead, but they found out that as a murder, because he had a bullet in his back. So this guy who like yeah, so, so they think that okay, so he's like, okay, he fell off the precipice while he was skiing. That's what they like come to the conclusion to. So they're like, look, the body's gonna be at the bottom of this like ravine or whatever. Go find it. I didn't murder him. He's down there. It's cool. And the cops are like, cool, we found the body, no big deal. Gregory Peck and Ingrid Bergman are like, cool, we're gonna make out a little bit. And then they're like, but there was a bullet in his back. You're going to prison. And he's like, uh-oh. Ingrid Bergman's like, mm, something's up. And she goes back and talks to the guy who took over. Well, she like yells. She yells a lot, <laughs> like in court. Like she just like goes kind of mad about trying to get him out. But this guy Murchison was like, knew Edwards slightly. And she's like, knew, knew Edwards, knew. 
you said you didn't know him. And then that's when he pulls out a gun, like, ah, you caught me. But then yeah. like, she talks her way out of murder. You can't skimp over that part. It's incredible. Well, he you're says like, to her, you're an excellent analyst, Dr. Edwards, but a rather stupid woman. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So she comes on. She's like, I know you fucking killed him. You shot him in the back. You fucking lied about it. Your, your ass is going to jail. And he's like, wait a minute. And, and like, he's reaching in the drawer the whole time. I'm like, he's pulling out a fucking gun. He's, he's finding his gun. And she's like, they're going to go find the gun up on the hill where you shot him from. And he's like, psych, it's right here. And she's just like, big dicks it down. By the way, this is my vote for the most Letty moment of the movie. That she's just staring down the gun barrel and is like, fuck you, you won't do it. And just like, totally lets it happen. Which in the dream, it was like a steering wheel, which is also or just a wheel of some kind, which is very wheel, fast and furious. Yeah. They yeah. drop the wheel, but the wheel is actually a revolver, which I'm like, mm, kind of a stretch, but like, I can kind of see where you, I but like, this yeah. guy is also like going along. He's like, yes, that does sound like me. Oh. Oh, it does sound like I murdered the guy. Well, guess what? I did murder the guy. It's like, oh, okay. And he was right. And she was right that he wouldn't shoot her and just fucking walks out of the office. Like, your ass is going to jail. And that's it. That's the whole thing. Yep. I thought she was going to get her face blown off. So, okay. So two things. Two, two things that I thought that this movie was going to do at Go the for end it. there. One, she was going to get her face blown off. Because that was like the most obvious. It was like, you should just kill her because now you're setting it up like he won't. He should have been like, huh, psych and bang that's it that was that would have been like she's like you won't shoot me he's like i won't and just did it and two i was ready for him to pull the gun out and be like finally you figured it out you're recovered and like it would have been her story the whole time right Ooh. that's i was waiting for the shutter island moment of that i was convinced the whole time that she was the patient and they were walking her through it i like that yeah but i feel like this is too if this is the first psychoanalysis movie or whatever it's like that's a little like you can't put a hat on a hat right like it's like oh no like she's just solving it plus i think in the end like you want a happy ending kind of but that's what but i mean like i was like if they would have done that to me at the end i was like this would have been i would have known about this movie right hitchcock you truly are the master of suspense yeah like i would have been like oh fuck you did it but this would have been like one of the biggest movies of all time, I yep. think, if but they would have had the the Shutter Island twist at the it end. It would have been like it would have been like Twilight Zone, where it's like that woman like is under wrapped, like her she's all covered up her face, and like oh my god, we're so sorry, we couldn't we couldn't fix your face, and like it's a beautiful woman. They all take their face off, and they're all pigs. It's like oh my god, it was it was a twist all along, right? It's like yeah, that kind of yeah, exactly. Any other thoughts? Any other notes about this movie? Um, no, I thought it was really good, and I think you guys should check it out. I, I, even just for the Salvador Dali theme, like that's worth the watch alone just because yep. it's like so weird and interesting and it's such an early time. It's not that easy to find. Like, I don't think this is really streaming anywhere. You might have to like, no. this was the Blu-ray that actually uh, was number 1,000 in my collection. Apparently I looked it up because I was like, oh, I think I own this one, but I'm not sure. It was like number 1,000. I was like, hey, pretty cool. Fancy pants. Yeah. It was in the Criterion collection. Shout out to our friend Liam. Uh, who yes. had the now defunct Criterion Crack podcast. He would have gotten there eventually. This is number 136 that went out of print, and then they reprinted it 2012 or something. So oh, cool, cool. you can buy it if you want. Uh, yeah. Originally, it was going to be titled Hidden Impulse. That was Hitchcock's name for it. But Ooh. Studio Secretary Ruth Rickman said, we should call it Spellbound. And then it tested well, and then it got Spellbound. So shout out to Spellbound's Ruth Rickman. Good. I like it. The snow in the skiing scene was actually cornflakes, which is pretty cool. Oh, I didn't know that. That is cool. Both Ingrid Bergman and Gregory Peck were married to others at the time, but they had a brief affair. Their secret oh. relationship became public when Peck confessed to Brad Derrick of People 
1987, five years after Ingrid Bergman died, which is kind of a dick move. Like, hey, you know, she's dead, but like her family's still alive. Like, hey, yeah, yeah by the way, like we banged around a little bit back then. It's like, what? You, that's not your story to tell. No, that's not your story to tell. Definitely not. Like, and, and just because she died doesn't mean it's okay to tell it now. Like, right. what the fuck? Quote, all I can say is that I had a kind of fiery love for her, and I think that's where I ought to stop. I was young. She was young. We were involved for weeks in close and intense work. This, this goes back to my theory that like everybody that Paul Walker was on a set with, he probably hooked up with at some point, and Zac Efron too. You're three months in isolation or whatever, shooting a movie. Things happen. Any other notes or any other thoughts, or you want to watch the trailer? Oh, they, they call some guy Bob McNutt with spiked hair. I like that. That was good. But that's about it. No, that, yeah, that's it. So the trailer is Spellbound, official trailer, number one, Gregory Peck movie, 1945 HD. It is from our friend, Movie Clips, classic trailers. It's got 95,000 views. I've not pre-watched this, but I can't imagine that this is not it. So whenever you're ready, I'm loaded up and uh, queued up. Three, two, one, play. It starts out with the overture birds. music, right? And the birds. Oh, there's Hitchcock oh, right there. That's him? Oh, yeah, that is him. Oh, I think, I think I've read that he uses this, that he puts himself in the trailer twice. Like, look, I'm just a normal guy. It was just really nice to watch an old-timey movie that's, like, so beautifully shot in, like, 4 by 3 in black and white. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah. The lighting is fucking incredible, too, dude. So good. Hitchcock. These are some of the clues in the motion Uh-oh. picture which bears. Wow, they just laid this wholly out for you, huh? <laughs> wow. I was laughing with Rachel. Some guy painted that sign just to, to do that for one scene. Well, Selznick is the producer, but yeah, like that's you know that's his, that's you know maybe a little bit of ego trip, right? No, but I'm saying like somebody like fully made that sign oh, for yeah. the scene of the movie, yep. and it was like point one seconds. It's like yep. gone. Yeah. Gotta do what you gotta do. Don't even skiing at the end. Okay, cool. The skiing is great. I this is your first honeymoon. Oh. Yes. I mean, it would be if it were. Your first honeymoon? Oh, yeah, because they pretend they were married. I thought that might not have been in the movie. I was like, is there deleted scenes in this shit? God, the funny thing is that, like, you can't tell really at all, like, what the tone of this movie is. Nope. This could definitely be like a full horror movie. This could be a thriller. It could be a love movie for sure. So it says most suspenseful achievement, but yeah, it's just okay. We they have the razor blade. Yeah, he's in it again. There you go. Alfred Hitchcock, the famous director whom you are not likely to forget after you see. So oh, they put him. In, they they like pointed him out in the trailer. Yeah, don't Jesus. forget this guy. The music is so weird for the tone of it, right? Yeah. So weird. A shout out to Jerry Goldsmith, who was inspired by it, right? So, yeah. Joe, the letterbox game, we are going to go... Mm. Actually, first, we have to do the other thing. So, for reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, the most the most logged film on Letterboxd, has been seen by 672,000 people, okay? 672. 672. Spellbound, 1945, directed by mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock, starring Ingrid Bergman, Gregory Peck, and Michael Chekhov, has been seen by how many people? Got to take into account the printing of it. It's hard to stream. It's old, but it's Hitchcock. Ah, fuck. I'm going to go 42,000. Got to go lower. Okay. Uh, 27,000. You're so very close. 26,159. 26. 
159. Like, it is Hitchcock, but it is old. Yep. It's also one of the lesser Hitchcock kind of. Like, I think yep. it's probably, like, upper, mid-tier, maybe. I don't know. I'm not a super Hitchcock historian, but... Same. 26, 159. So, Joe, out of those people, average rating of 3 point, let's get to 3.66, most common a 4, then a 3.5, then a 3. How many people put this in their top 4? 2, max. 2. Gotta go way higher. Really? 15. Higher. 25? Higher. 43 and I'm done. 51. 51 people have this in their top four all time. That's way more than I thought. Wow. So we're going to Abby Thompson at Rook 46 on Letterboxd. This is the most underrated Hitchcock movie. Watch this year on May 16th. Five stars. Okay. So Abby Thompson has this as her number four movie of all time. Number one is the movie you thought Gregory Peck was in. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Correct. Yes. Okay. Actually, James Stewart. Okay. Number two, the final part of what is considered by many to be their favorite movie trilogy of all time. Um, The Return of the Jedi. No, but you are so close in words. Um, the Empire. Wait, it's, it goes Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes. No, but back. no, no, no. You have that's the that's the right order. Wrong franchise, but you're so close in words. Um. What you just said, change one word. Return of the Batman? What's Return nope. of the... Yeah, what is it? What is it? The Return of the what? Fuck. There's a thing before it, colon, the Return of the blank. <sighs> it won more Oscars than I think any other movie at the time. Really? Mm-hmm. Came out about 20 years ago almost. Return of the what? Not Jurassic Park, no, Oscars. Return of the something. Mm-hmm. And it's a trilogy, you said. Mm-hmm. Return of the King, Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings, Return okay. of the King. I got there, okay. And then number three is a movie that Mike and I spoke about this year for one of our podcasts, which fits not at all, but also kind of. So if you think about it, It's a Wonderful Life, Spellbound, they're both like love stories at their core. This is another love story that Mike and I spoke about on a different podcast this year. I'm guessing it's a Tom Cruise movie. Nope. Tom Hanks movie. Yep. Love and story. You've got mail. You got it. Nice. Wow, dude, I only needed one hint from... Okay, cool. So we've got It's a Wonderful Life, The Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, You've Got Mail, and Spellbound. I would say, like, you know, in terms of Tom Hanks' love story, it's either that or Sleepless in Seattle. Like, th- those are just the two, right? So Forrest Gump? I wouldn't... No, I, I would give you different <laughs> clues about that altogether, but also... I know. Boy, oh I know. boy. That's, I used deduction to figure out that you were not talking about Forrest Gump on that one. Also, her most recent movie is Cape Fear, which was the movie that Gregory Peck is second most known for. He's like seventh build in that, so pretty exciting. Shout out to Abby Thompson, Rook46 on Letterboxd. Shout out to Abby Thompson, yeah. That was a pretty that was a pretty nice, that was a well-spread out um top four, I think. It's a little bit of everything there. Yeah. Next episode, on Friday, we are doing 1966's film Seconds. By John Frankenheimer. I forgot. We've already covered a John Frankenheimer movie on this podcast. Last Lap. Movie that came out 32 years after Seconds, which is a crazy time jump. We covered Ronin with Robert De Niro. was also done by John Frankenheimer. He did the 1966's movie Seconds, which by all intents and purposes is also great. I think you can view this for free on CBS All Access or probably through a CBS All Access on Amazon Prime trial. Spellbound, a little bit harder to find. This one is out there more accessible from what I understand. Um, I've not looked for it yet because I don't, we don't have to watch it yet. So, but if you want to watch along, I don't know what it's about. Hopefully Amnesia. 
hopefully memory loss, Seconds by John Frankenheimer, director of Ronin. Yeah. Any other thoughts about anything? No, that was a good one. I liked I liked Spellbound. I think you guys should watch it, especially if you're Hitchcock fans and or if you're Salvador Dali fans. But it was actually a really good movie. Yeah, like I had no idea Dali was involved in movies at all. Same. Yeah. They're very, very weird. And all the fast connections were cool too. You did good with the facts. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, for all things too fast too forever, you go to cageclub.me, Facebook.com slash too fast too forever, or at too fast too forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page at toofast2forever.com and come back on Friday as we return to the John Frankenheimer well for yeah. seconds. Come back for seconds. <laughs> <laughs> seconds. After Thanksgiving, come back for seconds. <laughs> I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you again. Bye.